Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the third episode in a new series of The Home Recording Guide. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined by Matt Knight. Good day. Good day indeed. Now, dear listener, in this series, the same as the the other two home recording series, we, well, the, the last one at least, we're going to be attempting to make a track using only what's available to us uh, on Persona Studio One. Um, Matt and I both use Studio One Sphere, which is their monthly program. It costs around $15 a month and you get absolutely everything that Personas make for Studio One, including a whole bunch of fantastic plugins and any new things that they release as well. It's constantly being updated. So there's a real advantage to having the kind of the monthly thing. It's also, you know, more affordable than, you know, splurging out a big chunk on their on their top tier version of Studio One. But of course, you know, you can just buy one of the Personas Basic 2 channel interfaces from your local guitar store and you'll get Studio One Artist, um, which is their mid-level DAW and still comes with a whole bunch of excellent plugins and features. If you don't want to do that or if you just fancy trying out Studio One, then it's actually it's completely free and you can get the simple basic version of Studio One. To be honest, it comes with all the tools that you'll need. I actually doubt virtually anything we use in this podcast series, you know, are going to be things unavailable on the basic version, except for the fact that you can't use third-party plugins. And of course, when it comes to drums, we are both using third-party plugins. All the links you need to get started are in the description of this podcast, and you can visit personas.com for more details. Now, um, we got to the end of last week, Matt and I, and... Uh, we kind of discussed everything through, like all all the different things we were going to um, we were going to try and utilize within Studio One, um, and uh, and we got to a point where I was going to build the basic backing track, same as before. So that would consist of you know a bass part, uh, the drums, and uh, maybe some guide synths just to fill it out ahead of Matt adding his own synthesizers and guitars. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's that's where we were. Um, I've done that. I've built that track. One of the things, Matt, you wanted was for the track to be a bit longer, so we've done that. We've hit around the two-minute mark on that track. Before we get started into anything, I appreciate my spiel is very long at the start of this series. Let's listen to the track so far so you, dear listener, can be on the same page as Matt and I. Here it is. (laughs) 
Okay, so, um, so there you go. So there's the track. That's uh, that's kind of the bones of it. Um, we've got drums. I like it. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a, a slightly different feel, I think, to um, to the, the the one we did last time. Less Pink Floydy. I almost think I accidentally ended up being a bit Angels and Airwavesy on this one, but uh, yeah, but I, I'm I think, not really sure. Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know. It, it's got um, vibes of prog, classic classic rock in some ways but yeah there's a bit mm. there's a bit more to it um i like it I, I i kind of like being delivered the bare bones of an idea like obviously as, as i think i spoke about on the normal podcast like i think when you first you know this is one thing i'd say to anyone listening to this because i'm sure they're probably feeling the same or if you haven't dived into it um just what to expect when you first start recording um it's just such a different experience and it's just like trying to get into the vibe and the character and i think i said it before but you know you have an idea of the finished track and then you record one thing in you're like doesn't sound anything like like i want it (laughs) and um you know i think it's just inspiring to hear you know at least some bass and drums um as a bit of a backing track that you can then just work on work on top of you know almost like that sketch pad that you can do and it, it was nice to have to to drop all that in to personas and go yeah yeah we can i can work with this it's great well that's one one thing we've done uh, slightly differently this time i've i've provided you with a mix down of what what i did because of course that's what you just heard dear listener i've i've, I've of course got the drum track the bass track um there's a bass synthesizer on there there's a pad synthesizer on there then there are two arpeggiators slightly differently uh, well, two arpeggiators uh, in 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 the left and right. So those are the um, those are the amount of in- instruments. So I gave Matt the mix down of that. I then also uh, I gave you the MIDI files for the for the drums mm-hmm. and the synthesizers, uh, and I gave you the stems for everything. So you had the audio files for everything, including the bass. And uh, we'll talk about 
you know, we'll, we'll come on to how I kind of created each thing, I guess. But that's how I've provided it to Matt. And like I said, it's a really good sketch pad. This is kind of a, this is something that now you can take apart those bits. But also I feel like the complete thing in its in its state is quite a nice, like, now to add the meat, you know, because it's it's very much like it's uh, it's well rounded. It's got parts, but it needs the it yeah. needs the 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 body. It needs the guitar. I I kind of feel like when we build this way, it it lends towards being a creative guitarist because it's left you all the room to make the track whatever you want to be, and almost the guitar will be the deciding feature of that. Then you know I'll probably thicken it up with extra bits on top of that, or maybe you will with extra synthesizers or things like that but it's yeah. a good yeah i think um what was what we did last time which is obviously you sent me basically the track minus guitars and then we were doing everything in, in plugins and i was basically mm. a session player in the sense that i was like right here's some di's you go and do everything else and then you came back to me and said i need these two extra parts it's like okay I did that this time yeah. it feels much more like we're in a studio we're covering on different things so it was good to have the mix down so i had an idea of the feel of the track um but to have the individual parts meant i could play around with it more so what i did this time so you sent me the audio stems that well you sent me the mix down as you said the stems for each one and the audio parts for the bass synth and the like a pad and i dragged it was so easy dragged and dropped all of that into persona super easy it was just like I, I was like, oh, I'm going to drag middle files. It's going to ask a bunch of questions. It's like drag and drop. So I played the, the mix down. And then I was like, right, mute that. Play all the parts individually. Mute different parts to see what the bass sounded like, for example. And, you know, what the arpeggiators are doing. So, okay, I can get a vibe for the kind of sounds. And um, it gave me a great basis to kind of start thinking of some ideas. So the first thing that I found incredibly cool and I think this is something that hopefully people listening to this will want to collaborate with other people they know as well. You sent me the MIDI drum files because you use Addictive Drummer, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I dragged the MIDI file onto the timeline of Personas and then I was like, can I just drag and drop the Easy Drummer plugin onto this? Like, you know, it's all experimentation for me. I was like, you know, so new to it. Dragged it in, it, Easy Drummer loaded up, I pressed play. It just muted the MIDI drum part and it was like, easy drum rush is playing. I was like, this is incredible. Then looped it and then was like, right, in real time, because I've in Easy Drummer, I've, there's two kits that come with it, but I also downloaded the Nashville kit and the post rock kit um, <laughs> and the Dream Pop kit. So the Dream Pop kit is like normal drums mixed with like uh, a mod modular synth hits which oh, is quite cool. cool. So it's got that like Tom York sort of drum machine, you know, oh, like on yeah. his solo records vibe. The post rock is like a Rogers kit and like a distorted right. Tama kit. So it's got like, um, it's got that kind of beefy, as they call it, like Icelandic feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the Nashville kit's just really solid recorded drums. So I, I kind of cycled through some of the kits and there's a bunch of mix presets and found a couple. And I was like, oh, I don't like the Tom. So I could change the Toms really easily. So straight away, I found myself diving into the drums first. Because I was like, that's the backbone to what you're playing along to. Um, and then the next that's, thing I was like, oh, sorry, go on. 
No, I was going to say it's it's just you know off the bat. It's, I mean, this to anyone who knows, this probably sounds very basic that the the MIDI files just just work as easily as that between the two. But it is fantastic that they do. Like that, I was yeah. able to use addictive drums where I was using whatever. I think the the I only, I have two kits with addictive drums, but to be honest, like I just use the the studio sounding one. I can't remember off the top of my head what that one's called, but it's it's fantastic, quite dry, you know, neat and tidy. And I really like using it, but I mm. haven't downloaded expansions by it. And and if this didn't work in this fac- in the, in this fashion, you would be fixed to the things that I have. But the fact that we can mm. just you know you've bought a couple more kits, and even though we're using different software packages, you can actually just apply whatever you want. Um, it's very good. Yeah, yeah and I think um, you know further down the line, you know maybe for the next episode, what I'll I'll be able to do hopefully is because I, I you're the you're going to be doing the mixing, so I'm like I don't really know what I'm going to do at that point. But if I find a drum sound I think works, I can send you. I should be able to break each drum hit into a separate audio file, so you know like eight channels, and then send mm-hmm. you all those stems, and then obviously you can use those for mix downs and. Um, uh, and everything exactly. as well. I think both both Easy Drummer and Addictive. Well, certainly I know that Addictive Drums does, so I assume Easy Drummer does. But within the plugin, now this listener almost isn't something you get on the. Well, this isn't something you'd be able to do. You know, with just Persona Studio One, we're talking about third party plugins, which obviously almost wasn't supposed to be a part of this series. But you know, we have to use this bit. Um, if if you use Addictive Drums, you can actually kind of master the. Uh, the kit itself within the plugin, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that it's only on one uh, one audio track, as it were, in your session, because it's broken down within the plugin right, for you to yeah. be able to edit the kits. And you can do that on Easy Drums as well. But crucially, if we were to settle on an Easy Drummer kit, but I was going to do the mixing, we would need me to have all of those drums separated yeah. because otherwise, I'd just be, I'd I'd only have access to one master control. You know, on the uh, um, for for the audio that Matt said. So the fact that you can break it out is very useful for, uh, for yeah. the mixing stage. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, you know, we will get to talking to guitars, some guitars eventually. But the next thing, I was like, you sent me the the MIDI files for um, the synth parts. So one thing that um, eluded me for years was the fact that why my interface had MIDI ports on it. I was like, I can't. You know, and obviously I got into MIDI for guitar and it never really clocked until recently. I was like, can I just send MIDI out from Personas into something that accepts MIDI and will it play it automatically? And this was something I, I, I did in between this series and, and the last series. So MIDI out from the interface that you're going to use. And I'm, I'm using a little uh, Roland JU06, uh, like Juno synthesizer, MIDI in. And uh, then you take audio out from your synthesizer into the input of your audio interface. So you've got a MIDI channel and then you set up an audio channel. So the audio channel accepts the uh, input of the, uh, the synthesizer, pressed play, and it's almost like a loop. You know, so it's firing the audio signal out, it's triggering the Juno, and then the interface is capturing the audio from the Juno. I was like, I can recreate the pad, because you went for a Juno-esque pad sound. I'm yes. like oh, well, I can do it on an actual... And I've got real-time control over the faders. So if I feel like I want to adjust the frequency or the cutoff, or maybe I want to try a different octave range, um, I can sort of do that in in sort of real time. So um, I thought that was 
that was really cool. And now I've got like a this Moog synth at home as well, this subharmonicon. Um, it is a, a semi-modular synth with a sequencer in it, but obviously you can trigger it externally via MIDI as well. So I'm like, for the bass stuff, we can have some like really fat, um you know some some moog style sort of bass synths and then it's easy to like double it up or do multiple takes um because you're just you know the midi files are always there the midi notes are always there you just and and i find with building synth like half of it is about like layering several different voices of synthesizer to make kind of a a, a sort of a thicker sound um Mm -hmm. so it's, it's fantastic to be able to do that real world because like yeah. yeah as you say the thing i sent you i was using uh in personas has a uh a, a selection of instruments called presence their presence instrument range which consists of kind of an awful lot of stuff from like uh drum sounds effect sounds pads lead synths bass synths stuff like that and you can download like extensions to it as well like i've got this great vintage keys um expression and voodoo synths was another e- extension pack i got for that they're all very good but i Use something called Balmy Lead as a as like a, one of their presets as like the bass, and then I manipulated that a bit. And you're absolutely right. I went for that kind of Juno-y kind of. It's going to take up a lot of sat frequency range, but it's never going to lead anything. It's quite mm-hmm. a nice kind of thickener, as it were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's um, one thing. Excuse me. That I thought interesting about just coming back to the drums a second and using MIDI was I realized now that if you have a home studio and you have a friend who's a drummer, <coughs> you could buy a basic like kit like a Roland TD1 or something. And then you get the drummer to play and put a real performance in, but just capture the MIDI data. And then you yeah. can like play around with the drum sounds later so you've kind of got the feel and the performance you just you know you're 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 able to manipulate the drums and that's what i liked about the synth thing was being able to do that and i think it's nice that soft synth for me give me ideas and sometimes sounds are brought out of those soft synths but i like having the working within the um the hardware as well so yeah that to me that was a great sort of first step and just a way to dive into the track um and especially if yeah, if you've got friends and you're all using the same door, I think that's a great thing to do is send the stems. It's almost like getting a fresh pair of eyes on it, you know, rather than being in the same studio. You can kind of try your own things and then you can pull everything back in, back in again. And I think the top level version of Personas, maybe it's on all of them. You'd, you'd probably know better, Joe, but you can actually share entire projects as well, I think, can't you? On, on Sphere, they have got like a, they've got like an online um sort of uh platform where yeah you can just upload everything it's almost like a collaborative dropbox where you've mm. got a chat and you've got a place where you can add all of the the tracks and the different parts and share them but everyone has to have sphere for that to work yeah yeah so but uh, otherwise i think just sending mix down i mean we transfer dropbox you know those sort of things but yeah. it was it was um it was amazing how quickly and easily it was to just jump drop everything into personas and just sort of crack on with it really you know and just yeah. mute parts and and things like that and i you know i was doing some recording i was just jamming over something that i sort of came up with last weekend and was sort of like playing around with a bit of the automation i worked out like how do i make this track like fade out at the end there was a bit i didn't like on a synth part so i was like can i just fade it out all like, oh, right super easy to like you know click a different button and then you're like at the the um 
you know the the volume automation you can actually draw in like a proper curve and like, oh mm. right this is how you start to kind of roughly mix things and kind of get things to sit slightly better and you know if you want a bit to fade out and stuff like that um so yeah i think in some ways just clicking a few buttons and seeing like oh what does this do oh it makes everything worse um but one thing <laughs> one thing i found incredibly helpful and i haven't got personas in front of me so i can't remember where i found it um but the undo feature what i found amazing was that it actually lists out all of the changes that you make so i i think at one point i was listening to stuff and i was like i think everything's out of time and i realized at one point a, an hour previous i think I'd, I'd hit like the bend control and I think it like morphed the time at one point. I hadn't really realized. And I was like, oh God, I did it like an hour ago. Like what am I have to do now? And it's like, you can actually see where you made the change and you can go back to that, that previous version. I thought that was quite good rather than just like control Z as many times as you think you need to do it. You can actually look at all the, it tells you what changes you made. Um, and you can just revert back to an earlier version, which I thought was really good. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One of the things I really like about Studio One, and it's going to be annoying listener that I can't remember exactly what it's called uh, at this stage. Sorry about that. But there is a way of like a, um, almost saving incremental. So this is m more helpful when you're later in a mix. But if you're like, I think I, I, I like this, but also maybe there's something about it and I want to try an awful lot of these things in a different way. I want to change something quite substantial. You can save it as a as like a version there and then carry on and two hours later you can be like yeah i'll go back to that old version or i'll just a b against that other version and it's uh and it saves it as kind of and you can switch between easily I, I know you could obviously just save and make a copy of it but they have that kind of built in as a feature it's very 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 useful i thought certainly in the in the mixing yeah. stages and something yeah. i use a lot so but i I'm, think um sorry joe you go no 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 after you uh, I, I was going to say the next thing for me is um, 
yeah, want to see what guitar parts I can come up with. So my idea for doing guitar parts for this is I'm going to... I think probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into... So I've got a, a DI box because I want to record a DI. It's not something that you need to record because you can just plug straight into your interface. But the nice thing about having a DI box is something like a radial J48, which I use, has got a through control so you can output into an amp. Um, I kind of want to do that to capture maybe a guitar part, an idea, and play with a reference sound, but record the, the DI part. Um, and then I want to try and, and try and reamp and, and fire that audio through separately and dial in the sound just right. So I'm going to try and do a bit of reamping. Um, I, I think I spoke maybe on one of the other episodes. I bought this 500 series rack module. Again, not essential for home recording, only if you're like me and just buy ridiculous equipment because you think you need it. Um, but it'd be quite good to, to try that preamp and, and do that sort of stuff. And yeah, like I said, for me, going to use a lot more external hardware. So I think the, the first thing I'm going to do is probably nail the drums down. So try and get an idea of how I want the drums to sound. Um, maybe try and do the pad and maybe, you know, try the bass things uh, on the bass synth. Because I think, again, it's like nothing is better for a guitar player and I, and I guess something strange for a, for a bass player as well to play along to a backing track because the whole band's behind you. It feels, you know, quite oh, yeah, emotive absolutely. when you're, you're playing with a band. So I think if I can get everything else, the guitar parts will flow easier. The, the struggle I'm having at the moment, you know, recording at home normally is you kind of, you've got to create that backing track first before you can play the guitar parts to go over yeah. it. Um, you know, but I've, I've found even a few simple bass notes have been really helpful. And if you don't have a bass... You know, I think a MIDI one thing we haven't really said. I think a MIDI keyboard is essential, um, and oh, I've realised yeah. how essential it is to have set up. You know, of course you can just have an interface and a guitar, and you know, obviously a drum drum programs help. But just a simple, even twenty five note simple MIDI keyboard, um, yeah, really oh, absolutely. Helpful. I mean, we spoke about it on the, on the the last series, I think. But I bought the Native Instruments M thirty two, which is which is their basic mini keys, the smallest version of their their 32 mini key version of the native instrument complete control. Mm -hmm. So it comes with like a a sort of a light suite of all of their synthesizers, which is obviously a substantial and very well-respected amount of, of soft synths. But it cost me less than 100 quid, you know. It was 90 yeah. pounds or something like that. <laughs> so it's... Uh, and just to have that is fantastic. I tell you one thing, actually, Matt, that I got that I well, my my partner Emma got that I was thinking about using on this, but I tried and I was like, oh, this there's a learning curve here. Uh, Emma got a Roly. Um, oh so, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah, just the little ones, the controllers. Um, but the, I tried uh, the Roly block. Is that what they're called? That's right. Yeah, just the block. So I tried using it, and I was like, right now it really matters how hard you hit things because ah. it's. Uh, it's the uh, the pressure that you apply knocks things out of tune, almost the same as it would on a guitar. You know, if you if you hold it so hard that you're accidentally bending a string, it throws it out of tune. The Roly works the same way. And I was like, right, so to even make it sound consistent, which, of course, if you just want a normal synth part, you need it to sound consistent. I kind of feel the Roly's an instrument of its own that needs to be played its own way. I think if you just want to lay down yeah. synth parts, it's probably not the right thing, but... It's very cool. No, I think that is cool. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you can draw MIDI notes in. So, you know, it's not 
100 100% essential I guess but it just even if you can do a couple of chords and I think like I spoke about on a on a podcast maybe the last series there are some great third party things like scalar 2 or captain chords that help you you know the great thing about scalar 2 is that you can put the notes you can just play individual notes or drag drag a drop of wav file in it will tell you what key you're in and you can set it up so a one press of a key will actually trigger an entire chord so you don't yeah. have to be a whiz at piano to, to be able to do it. So there's some really helpful things out there to allow people to create some some great music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the best things about kind of MIDI controls because I use a bit of a, a blend of both the, the the mapping and the controller. I'll, uh, you know, play the track and this is how I did it with this and how I do it with all those parts. And I sort of go, no, I do this synth part and I just sort of play something, try some things. You know, it's only simple on this, just a few notes, but it's moving with the scale more than the bass line is. And I'm like, yeah, mm. I'll do that. And then I go back in, look at the MIDI and I just tight, tighten up what I was playing because a lot of the time I'm sort of going maybe here and maybe I'll do that a little bit late or a little bit early because I'm sort of writing as I go. And then mm-hmm. you can go into the actual MIDI designer and just tighten up your notes and make sure everything's in the in the right place. It's a really easy way to kind of be creative by getting down the, the basics of your ideas and then just being able to give them a little trim and tidy afterwards. Yeah. And um, whether I, I won't, I won't put it onto this, but I, I, have a box of what i would call just weird um kind of like sound makers and toys and stuff that i've never i've never used i bought them because i always thought they're cool never use them because <laughs> i've never done any recording but you know i've got like um a bleep labs um dr bleep which is a light sensitive controlled synthesizer it oh, outputs wow. a random notes and then you can <laughs> uh, and then the the pitch of the notes depending on the light and stuff so i've got that i found that i, I remembered i've got a special custom sequencer game boy cartridge someone programmed their own game boy cartridges for sequencer software so i've got like that so it does all the chip tune stuff i've got like a little stylophone so it might be quite cool to just go, oh, let's just drag a couple of those things out and like make a few bits of noise, just drop them in the track. And, you know, if we mix them in, whatever. But if we don't, you know, it's quite good to break that stuff out and just oh, and yeah. just see. But we should probably talk about how you created the the basic track that everyone heard at the beginning, really. And, you know, what you started with and what your process was for for building that. Yeah, yeah, sure. We should, because actually it's a really fantastic function of Studio One that I really like and I use a lot, which is the arranger function of Studio One. And I'll I'll kind of, I'll I'll explain what that is. But what I did first was I got an addictive drums kit out and I started programming like a beat. So I made, I made a, a, a sort of loop that I was like, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of an intro. And then I I can just duplicate that and I'll be like, well, I'll change some of these, you know, some of these side snares for full snares for the verse. Maybe, you know, add a little bit of a little a few flourishes on the hi-hat, things like that. And then I was like, right, what do I want now? I, maybe like a pre-chorus, maybe like a breakdown, a little thing that's a bit more rhythmic. And so I'll program that in and then I'll be like, okay, maybe a chorus, like something big. So there's a big bit of drums. And that's that's what I did. So I've just made an intro, a verse, a pre-chorus and a chorus and just shoved them in a row. I then picked up my bass and just was like 
just played along just to those parts in a row. So it's, you know, a four-bar intro, four-bar verse, four-bar chorus, uh, sorry, four-bar pre-chorus, four-bar chorus. That's it. I then used, and I think I sent you that version, Matt, when it was just mm-hmm. all in a row and said, here's an idea, what do you think? And then once Matt had been like, yeah, this this sort of sounds okay, this could be the direction, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll use the arranger. And using arranger, you can then say, okay, well, this set of bars, they're an intro. And you literally, you're naming and colour coding each section. And then when it knows what, I've got a section that's an intro, a verse, a pre-chorus and a chorus, I can now pick those up and duplicate them and everything in them. And which, you know, was just the the bass and the drums at this part. Uh, I think maybe I'd added a, a like a one synth or something along with it. But I can then duplicate them, move them around and try different things. Try being like, maybe I'll extend the intro. They have a double verse at the start. And so I made it into like intro, verse, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, um, pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, uh, you know, pre-chorus, chorus, chorus and then finished on the pre-chorus, used it as an outro. But, like, you know, I could... I'm able to actually cut up those things. So I've only played, like, all the bass is all cut up and looped. It's all just one playthrough that I did of each bit that's then looped or cut into the correct position. And, you know, I was lucky that the bass line worked in that in that sense. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not necessarily always going to be the case. You, And to be honest, if you were doing this really properly, you might feel like you want to get a more thorough sort of take of it rather than them being loops i mean certainly on the version you heard there's a little string noise on the pre-chorus and and it's so like it's so noticeable that the fact it's there on each of the pre-chorus in exactly the same way because it's a loop part it's like yeah you probably should i'd probably play that back in uniquely for each of them and of course if you want to add different fills or things like that you know you'd want to do that but of course with the case of the drums, because the drums were MIDI, I was then able to go back into the drums and be like, well, maybe I'll change this bit in this chorus, but not in this, so that I could give it more of an organic, real feel after I've kind of cut up the basics. And just that arranger tool, it's such an organic way of writing because you can just write almost in sections, write your parts, and then think about how you're going to link them, which Mm. is exactly almost how I'd write in a room. If I was in a room with a drummer and a guitarist, that's what we do, work on it on a section at a time and then be like, you know, where you just loop a chorus over and over as you're writing and then you're like, okay, how should we arrange this? What should we have before this? How should we get into this next section? Um, so, yeah, d- you know, that's the uh, the arranger tool, very easy to use and just a fantastic, a fantastic device, thanks to Studio One. Yeah, I, I guess... Um the way you're talking about it there and the way that I understand is a bit like what confused me early on about Ableton was that, you know, you don't have that traditional timeline. You're working to blocks. And I think where you're working to music where you don't, you know, you don't have to maybe do a straight up five minute playthrough, you know, you can build stuff in blocks and it's almost like a good sketch tool to be able to like drag and drop things and go, this works here, this works here. Like you say, work on it section, section through section. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, we have, like, you know, this song's barely two minutes because it's, you know, it's a song that we're making for the the sake of the series. If this song needed to, 
you know, be used as a proper song. Maybe you'd write a little middle eight in there, but then you could insert that middle eight and using the arranger to expand out the choruses and the other verses to sort of fill fill out the gaps. And, you know, it's just this will always be a template for something that you could do something with thanks to mm. the arranger software. It's not just a fixed thing. I just, I just yeah. think it's so useful for ar- arranging. <laughs> with, you know, yeah, no, it's, arranger, it's but, a very, very good feature. Very, yeah. very good feature. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, you know, I had a great time with this. Obviously, I used those soft synths. I really liked the arpeggiators, especially Um, with arpeggiators. I really like um, being able to use those, pan them hard left and hard right, and then change some stuff in the actual arpeggiators. Like I pitched the right one up an octave and I just made it a bit softer as well. I took off some of the attack on the synth just because it gives you more of a kind of binaural 3D feel to that sort of the tinsel that's going that's going on there and that's you know something i think soft synths do really excel at is when you're using arpeggiators it becomes a way less of an effort you know it becomes very very easy to do and i think um having an arpeggiator again you know it comes back to for me and i'm sure to many others like having something just vibey to to play along to like I, i was doing some stuff the other day with a bass and even just like a you know, I've got a TR-808, which is like an 808-style drum machine. You know, it's just really nice to kind of groove along to. And the thing, great thing about an arpeggiator and a soft synth and adding some delay is those sounds then become, they can become songs. They become ideas for songs. That's how, and, you know, if you drop it out later, at least you've then used it as a platform to build uh, upon other things. And, yeah, if you're not a fantastic keys player arpeggiators can be a great way to just kind of let it do its thing and there's some magic <laughs> yep. absolutely some magic in that um but it's, it's it's very cool and very very helpful and i did the same thing with my uh moog the other day with a with a sequencer i was like right okay just got it playing like four bits round and round sort of you know did that for like three or four minutes and then it was like okay you know these are the notes played a bass line over the top of it um, so having something like that, and you can obviously do so much of that inside Personas with the, the soft sense, I think that's just a great inspiration tool. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it. Yeah, it very much can be. Um, with with the bass, uh, just you know, to finish on, on what I did with the with the bass, I used um, the the actual. They have their Empire Suite, which we t- we talked about last week, which I, I've come to really, really enjoy. Um, uh, so the Empire Suite has just the, the one bass amp. It is an SVT-style bass amp. Of course it is. Its controls are actually more thorough than the Waves one that we raved about on the on the last series. I actually have the full range that you get on an old SVT one. So I've got, the, I've got two channels, one that includes a mid-range control and one without and then you've got your ultra high and ultra low controls i played this short scale jazz bass which is very bright so i was able to like shut off the ultra high on this and and use the ultra low and just kind of you know remove some of the mids i found it quite a mid honky plugin but very good and then i warmed the whole thing up by using their uh boss um ch once uh ch1 what was the? F- I did this last week. Ce one, ce one. God, why do I always do that? Yeah, because you can just use the preamp on that. So I was able to just warm up the tone a little bit with that. And then they have their Phaser ninety, with their their Phase ninety, obviously. And so I just put that on really slow, um, 
just to kind of give it some character i felt like i could get away with it and i can turn that off later if i if i want it to just be a normal bass sound because it's the sort of thing that might sound out of place once there's guitar on there depending on how you know how effect heavy the guitars are but you know it was a nice thing to mess around with and you know i I thought it was super cool but i mean the bass sounds great like i don't know why you'd need anything else than this empire plugin it's really solid really good and, yeah. uh, you know, then I, I was just able to tidy everything up with their fat channel compressor at, at the end of the chain. Like, you know, just just a really hard gate on there to kind of keep the, the baseline a little bit neat and just to, you know, make it make it sit a little bit nicer in the mix. Really easy. Like, really not a lot going on there. And I just, I'm, was very, very happy with what essentially is a completely free bit of software. That comes on the basic version, the Ampeg SVT. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Again, I think it's about learning the tools that you have to hand, isn't it? Um, yeah. And there's just some great stuff in there. And it's like, you know, as much as you know, I love buying stuff, and people do love buying stuff. Of course, they do. It's like actually, you know, there's some stuff in there that just looks simple, and it's just about understanding it to get some inspiration from it. You know, you've got to learn the tools that you've been given, and you know, I think yeah. Personas gives you some great ones for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so I guess that's that's kind of that's where we're at now. Yeah, with all of this. I guess I guess the next thing is to lay on some extra bits and send it to you and see where we go, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so dear listener, you know, let us know if you've got any ideas or you think you think there are any directions that you think we should be going in with this track. Matt's going to be working on this a little bit more this week leading up to next week, which will be the last episode in this series. So, Matt, I guess you're going to send me some stuff and then I'm going to I'm going to mix it all. And then next week we'll talk through all the things that Matt's added and all the mixing that I've done. And of course, this time I have to do it all in Studio One without the use of my my beloved isotope plugins um so i'm I'm looking forward to utilizing some of joe gilder's uh hints and tips i actually signed up to his um home studio corner newsletters and and every few days he sends like a new excellent hints hint and hints and tips sort of uh mail shot which i found very useful um just nice. just wonderful it's all the little things that matter with production and that's the thing i think joe gilder covers very well on the home studio corner definitely worth checking out dear listener if you haven't already um useful advice yeah i think uh, that's the thing it's all about it's all about just learning as much as advice as possible and taking in lots of things and experimenting and um i guess we'll probably catch up maybe before we record next week and we'll just make sure i'm exporting it the right way and stuff like that which is obviously all the other things that you need to to learn but otherwise i think it's going to be good to um you know sort of dive in and see what comes out and maybe even do some acoustic you know who knows the world what? is the world is the is our oyster with this one absolutely no, absolutely yeah oh, i've got i've uh just restrung my the, do you remember that I can't remember the Yamaha Transacoustic. I've got the Transacoustic Parlor. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, maybe I might even I might even use a little bit of that on there if you want. If you've you know want some acoustic on there, that built-in reverb sounds fantastic. Yeah, well, because I noticed obviously with the bass track that you'd put some effects onto the track, so I might try and record some yeah, hardware effects direct onto the 
track and maybe use less of the, the plugins and stuff. And Yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. All right, then, dear listener. Well, you know, we'll be back uh, with our regular episode um, next Wednesday, which, uh, Matt, you're taking a week off uh, next week, aren't you? So I am indeed, this. yes, because yeah. this is our this is my third one this this week. <laughs> this um, is my fourth one this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's podcast heavy this week, but uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with the final episode of the Home Recording Guide. I'm really looking forward to see where we end up with that. So, uh, so tune in for that, dear listener, and thank you very much for checking us out. You can, of course, check out Guitarnos on all your favourite social media platforms or on Patreon and Patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. We we'll see you next week for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.